Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Tom Fulton, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Shine on us today, gracious God, for we need the light and salvation you offer. Come to each one gathered here and to all who are a part of this community of faith. Come to our city, our nation, our world to still the quarrels and dissolve the enmity among us. Come with good news of health and wholeness for everyone. Do not cast us off. Do not forsake us, O God of our salvation. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God.
come together to worship, knowing that are times when we have failed to recognize God in the dailiness of our lives. Have we carried on our lives some point of this week as if he isn't present? Have we fallen short of being a credible witness to him? Has unconfessed shame clinched tightly around our hearts? Are we shriveling behind our fears and letting doubt invade our hopefulness? Let's take a moment to just simply reflect and then confess our sins. Turn our lives around, God. Help us to identify in ourselves those parts of us that need to change if we are to experience your joy. Too long we have been hiding in the shadows reluctant to express our faith. Too long we have shunned the light, afraid of what might be exposed. Too long we have avoided people with whom we have a quarrel, refusing to build bridges across our difference. Save us from ourselves, that we may enjoy your realm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know the scripture, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
this glorious Sunday, let us share together that age-old confession that binds us together, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And on this beautiful day, let's take time to give our cheery greetings to one another. <clears throat> Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We're so grateful you're with us this morning. Thankful that we are here as the people of God to do the most important thing we have to do this week, which is to give God the glory and thanksgiving for all of what God has done for us. That's what worship is about, and we hope that you will find this to be a place where you can express your gratitude for what God has done in your life. We would love for you to fill out the friendship pads, which are in the pews. And we especially welcome those of you who are new to our midst. Perhaps you have come to us from a long ways away and you're here for just one Sunday. Maybe you live right around the block, but we hope that, uh, we would, that you would feel welcome here and that you will find this to be your home, your spiritual home while you are in Sarasota. Lots of great things happening. Our Stephen ministers and leaders had a wonderful retreat last yesterday and uh, had a chance to wonder about the invitation to the spiritual life, the Christian life, and so we're delighted that they had such a wonderful time. We look out ahead to a wonderful retreat that uh, we're offering to our congregation, the Reignite Conference that we are hosting uh, over at Dayspring, uh, the conference center up in um, uh, Ellington. I knew that name. <laughs> but it is a great opportunity for you if you're kind of in that chapter of your life where you're wondering what's next what do I want to what am I going to do next with my life what's my what's the meaning of life 
perfect conference for you to come to. Information about that in the flyer in your bulletin, and there's uh, signups uh, available for you underneath the tree. So please come and be a part of that March 24th and 25th. Another opportunity, pilgrimage to Scotland and Narnia. Uh, an opportunity for us to go overseas and to experience some of the heritage of the Presbyterian Church as well as uh, that magical place called Narnia, it's the uh, spots where C.S. Lewis worked and uh, played and uh, had fellowship. So come and join us Thursday evening, 6.30 for an update on that. If you'd like to learn about your uh, being on that trip, we would love to have you come and join us. Next week, we have an annual meeting immediately following the, second, the third service uh, at 12 o'clock here in the sanctuary. So you may wanna plan accordingly. Annual reports are available in the back of the sanctuary and in the front office if you'd like to pick one up on the way out. We are a little bit over a third toward our goal for student sponsorships. Uh, you remember a couple weeks ago where we had the chance to share with you the needs for our student ministry, especially our summer trips. We sponsored kids to be able to go away to these life-changing experiences, whether they are going to spiritual renewal weekends or going to mission trips in other parts of the world. So we need 22,000 more dollars are needed, so we hope that you may keep that in mind, and I believe you can uh, find a pledge card, if not in the pew in the back, or you can call the church office. And then lastly, many of you are know, know Albert Eisencraft, who uh, has been a longtime member of our church. He passed away on Friday, and uh, their service, his services will be actually tomorrow over at Sunnyside Chapel. So keep Elsie uh, Eisencraft in your prayers as they will be remembering him at three o'clock uh, tomorrow at the Sunnyside Chapel. Let's continue our worship. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the words of scripture and their interpretation that help us grow in our commitment to Jesus as Lord and Savior. In his name and in the power of the Spirit, we bring our concerns and petitions before you. We pray for this nation, its many gifts and responsibilities of its power. We pray for our new president and for those who serve with him. We pray for those in the military and first responders who serve this nation in tasks and places of danger. Safeguard them from harm's way, we pray. Be with our church as we seek to serve you and witness to others about your love and grace, we pray. We pray for those who are sick, for those who are in mourning, for those who are frightened or confused or struggling with depression, we pray that you will give them your healing presence and mercy. Teach us, O oh God, how to love you and how to love one another and how to love our neighbors, even if we don't know them. We pray that you will continue to use us for your glory and bless us according to your will. We now bring all our prayers spoken and unspoken in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil 
for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God through the giving of our tithings and offerings.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, for loving us all the time. We give you thanks that you have blessed us each day way beyond our deserving. In this moment in worship, we ask that you'll accept these, our offerings of thanks and love for you in money and prayers and presents. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated as the children come forward with Carol. Come on up. We're going to get to sit. And, um, yeah. Yeah. We're going to sit right here and watch the baptism. Have a seat. Closer on this side. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Trey. Come on. Come on, Davis. Well, you guys are lucky because you get to be a part of this baptism ceremony where we had the chance to baptize this wonderful little girl who is uh, before us as uh, a child of God. And so it's this a very, very important moment in her life and all of our lives because we are the Church of Jesus Christ. It's in these moments when we remember once again that our identity is in Christ. We are children of God before we are children of anything else. And we are grateful that we can be a part of the great family of God. Baptism is that moment when we celebrate the fact that our children are a part of this greater family. And we make these promises as family and as parents uh, to receive children into our care and not only to receive them, but also to participate in the covenantal experience of being in life together. So we're grateful that we have the chance to be with Alexis and Aaron as they bring little Sailor before us this morning. Yes, she's very excited. And, and Stone, who's just kind of not sure about the whole thing. So. Um, but to the end of being the Covenant family, we have the opportunity to respond to questions. They are ways by which we reaffirm our own faith as well as remember once again that we are here as the body of Christ to receive all of God's children into our midst. So to that end, and we'll just see where he goes. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> Aaron and Alexis, would you please respond to these questions as you bring little sailor to us to be baptized. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do your own? And do you now unreservedly promise and humble reliance upon God's grace to set before sailor an example of the new life in Christ? And do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child so that in due time she may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? And will you endeavor by your example and by your fellowship to strengthen her ties with the household of God? Will you? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this moment where we know your Holy Spirit is a part of the promised presence of the Trinity. We are thankful, Lord, that we get to be a part and enact what it means to be family, to receive our children into our loving care. And pray, O oh Lord, that you will attend to us, that we may rejoice once again in the hope 
set before us in the gospel. For we pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hello, gorgeous. Sailor, James Mininghouse, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How about we sing together, Jesus loves me, this I know. behalf of Family Ministries, we'd like to officially welcome Sailor James into our family of faith. <laughs> and in Family Ministries, our vision is to create a sticky faith so when they graduate and leave home, they don't leave their, their faith behind. And we know that you are the most important influence in your child's life. But we know as parents, we aren't the only ones that need to influence our kids. So we'd like to partner with you as we learn and teach her together and grow together. And we'd like to present you with this Bible Stories book to read at, her, at home with her and a certificate for baptism to commemorate this special day. Okay, Mom, here you go. <laughs> so. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. We thank you for this beautiful little girl and their wonderful family. Pray that you will be with Alexis and Aaron and Stone and Ashley as they surround her with their love. And we pray that they may know that we are the greater family of God to surround them with our love. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. See ya. God bless. Okay. All right, buddy. You good? Baptism is so, so special. It's like God's invitation. It's like God's invitation into his great big family of God's children, and that is just exactly what we are. <laughs> Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you are our Heavenly Father, that you love us and look over us and take care of us. We love you. Amen.
seated. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series called It's Bigger Than You. We've been unpacking this idea that it's not all about us. As followers of Jesus, one discovers the secret that great joy in life always comes as we're looking outside of ourselves to the other person. We started with John the Baptist, who gave us that message that we matter. The kind of person that we are, the things that we do, they really, really matter. Last Sunday, the week of our groundbreaking ceremony, we explored the idea of God being bigger than this worship space and how God is not bound to the walls of this theater and how the show continues out the door. We know that we have to take God's love out there because so many people don't find their way back in here into worship on Sunday mornings. So today we're going to read a fishing story in the Gospel of Luke and wonder about how we might need to become smaller so that Jesus can become bigger. It reminds me of the plaque on Steve McConnell's desk from John 3.30, and it says, John the Baptist referring to Jesus, he must, incre he must increase, but I must decrease. Now hear the scripture passage as it comes to us today from the fifth chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 11. Once, while Jesus was standing near the lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long and we've caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so that the boats began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For Simon and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Let us pray. Gracious God, Open our hearts and our minds to the word just read and the words to come, so that we might encounter and be transformed by the living Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. They left everything. Everything? Luke says, everything. That's quite a fishing story. My experience of fishing, I'm afraid, is limited to sitting on a dock in northwest Montana with my dad, casting a small hook with a wiggly worm into the cool waters of Echo Lake. 
My eyes were fixed on that little red bobber, just hoping that a sunfish would fall for my trick, would gobble up the worm and try to swim away. Of course, that would pull that bobber underneath the water, and then it would give me the signal. I would know that I had a fish on the line and I could reel him in for dinner. If that bobber just floated on the surface of the water for five or even ten minutes, I was done fishing. Not my idea of a fun sport or a fun hobby or an activity that I would want to do. So if Jesus came up to me and said, Lori, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be catching people, I would have gladly set down my pole and followed Jesus right then and there. You see, I didn't have much invested in fishing. Simon Peter, though, is another story. He and his companions, James and John, are professional fishermen. They own boats. They provide for their families with the fish that they catch. This is who they are. Their identity is so closely tied to their profession. Well, we're kind of the same, aren't we? When we meet someone new after we learn their name, one of those first questions that we often ask is, so what do you do? And if they've already retired, we ask, so what did you do before you retired? That simple question seems to get at the heart of who someone is. It implies that our occupation is our identity. And many times it is. In fact, I read that retirement is difficult for many people because they gave so much of themselves to their jobs that they didn't have the time or energy to develop other interests. Their job gave their life meaning, and not having that can be one of the worst stressors of all. So for Simon Peter and the boys to walk away from their career, their job, that part of themselves that is just woven into the very fabric of who they are, makes this quite a remarkable story. That departure from their profession made them just a bit smaller, less of me, more of him. I'm not sure that these fishermen were leaving behind any hobbies because I don't think that leisure time had been invented yet. The majority of their time was spent at the base of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, trying to satisfy their basic physiological and safety needs. But they did leave behind their possessions. Again, in first century Palestine, their possessions are a far cry from the mountain of stuff that we accumulate today. But these men did walk away from their boats, their nets, and that great catch of fish. This sounds impossible, to walk away from our possessions. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of good stuff. And maybe, just maybe, it's impossible to walk away without first having an encounter with Christ. Jesus, the part-time preacher, part-time carpenter, tells the experienced professional fishermen to go out deep and to let their nets down. Can't you just see Peter rolling his eyes? Uh, master carpenter, uh, master preacher, we've worked all night long and we've caught nothing. Nada. Zippo. In fact, we've already fished in those waters that you're trying to send us out into. But perhaps there was something in the teaching that Jesus did that day from Peter's boat that caused Peter to trust him and to obey. Because Peter says, if you say so, I will let down the nets. And we know what happened, a huge, unbelievable miracle of fish. 
So many fish, in fact, they begin to sink both of the boats. In that moment, Peter knows that the kingdom of God is right there in the boat with him. Peter responds by falling down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. To encounter God, one encounters her own sinfulness, her own inadequacy, her own limitations. Less of me, more of him. In that moment, Peter knew that his possessions meant nothing in comparison to this opportunity to follow Christ, to be with Christ, enveloped in his love. The same power that prompted Simon to fall at Jesus' knees now lifts him into God's service, leaving everything else behind. But leaving everything sounds like such an overwhelming sacrifice. When we hear the word sacrifice, we often think of those completely selfless acts, don't we? Where someone or does something for someone entirely for the other person's benefit. The image of a soldier sacrificing his life for his comrades frequently comes to mind. But sacrifice isn't purely altruistic. The best definition of sacrifice is this, to forfeit something for something else considered to have a greater value. For example, wouldn't we let go of our earthly possessions where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal in order to grab onto the hand of Christ? Do you remember the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Elsa, the beautiful Nazi woman, is dangling over the abyss. One hand is held on to Indiana Jones. The other hand is reaching for the Holy Grail, which is just outside of her grasp. She refuses to give Indiana her other hand because she's not going to give up this thing that she wants. And in doing so, it costs her life. She plummets to her death because she's unwilling to forfeit this thing for something that we would imagine would be so much more important. Indiana Jones almost suffers the same fate as his dad holds on to him. He too reaches out for the grail but he listens to the advice of his father, and he sacrifices the thing that is worth less, the artifact, for the thing that he values more, his life, and a chance to go on another adventure. Well, following Jesus is definitely an adventure. Even so, if you're like me, you may still squirm just a bit and wonder how this passage applies to us today January 22nd, 2017, in Sarasota, Florida. Is God really calling me to leave everything? Well, not to let us off the hook so easily, but I wonder if it might depend upon our personal encounter with Christ. There was something so compelling about that encounter with Jesus that in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the fishermen don't just don't even give it a second thought. They just leave everything and follow him. James Barnett is a young man who grew up in a Christian family in Boynton Beach, Florida. He went to church on Sundays, youth group Wednesday nights. He went on mission trips both in high school and even in college. He was a great kid, a good Christian who really didn't make bad choices. James did service work and even volunteered at the homeless shelters, but he couldn't get past this feeling that something was missing. 
He had graduated from Florida State University and he took a job with J.P. Morgan Chase making almost a six-figure salary, but he wasn't happy. He called a buddy that he knew was going on a mission trip to Latin America, so he took a few days off of work and three weeks later he was heading on a plane to Nicaragua. James Barnett's encounter with Christ came through a Jamaican prophetess named Mrs. Ruby on a city dump in Nicaragua. This dump, called La Chereca, is the final destination for most of the city's garbage, including mountains of fecal matter, medical waste, and battery acid. Hundreds of people live inside of this dump where families construct their homes out of this trash. Mrs. Ruby had come to live among the poorest of the poor, praying over them and speaking to them on behalf of God. On his last day in Nicaragua, James went to the prophetess for a prayer and a blessing. As James kneeled on the floor of her home just outside the gates of the dump, she poured oil on his head and she began to speak in tongues, which, by the way, is way outside of his normal um, church experience, by the way. James said, I was expecting something transformational. I mean, how often do you go outside of the country and be prayed over by a prophetess on the top of a dump? Well, finally, Mrs. Ruby fell silent. She looked at James and she said, Child, the Lord wants you to know you had not been obedient. James was furious. He had worked so hard to live a good life. He didn't understand how he had not been obeying. My child, she said calmly, your obedience isn't defined by what you don't do but by what you do for the world your God so loves. Listen to that again. Your obedience is not defined by what you don't do, but by what you do for the world your God so loves. Slowly, James began to feel convicted that there was a difference between admiring Christ and following Christ. Think of when you admire someone. An admirer reads about the person, hangs pictures, wears jewelry, dreams about them, maybe even writes about them. But there's usually a certain distance, isn't there? Compare that to a follower. A follower packs a bag and goes on the road with them. And remember, Jesus calls us to travel light. Less of me, more of him. So James Barnett's encounter with Christ caused him to come home and quit his job. He talked to his family who gave him their blessing and he sold all of his stuff and he became homeless for two years. He became poor so he could learn to love them and to learn from them and then to serve them. Today James has a non-profit organization called Clothe Your Neighbor As Yourself. He now lives in a parsonage in Melbourne, Florida, where 70-plus kids call him their youth pastor. Others call him a saint. Some call him crazy. But the homeless whom James met all along his journey will always call him by his nickname that they gave him on the streets, Mr. Butters, because, as they say, he spreads the love like he spreads the butter. When Jesus calls us, to leave everything and to follow him. He is always calling us on an adventure, 
and he was always calling us into something better. Jesus may disrupt family structure and patterns of working and living, but he does so not to destroy, but to renew and to make more room for him, which means to have more room for love. Kathy Fletcher and David Simpson had their family dinner time disrupted. They have a son named Santi who went to Washington, D.C. public schools. Santi had a friend who sometimes went to school hungry, so Santi would invite him over occasionally to eat and to sleep at his house. That friend had a friend who had a friend, and now when you go to dinner at Kathy and David's house on Thursday nights, there might be somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 teenagers crammed around their table. The kids who show up at Kathy and David's have endured the ordeals of modern poverty, homelessness, hunger, abuse, sexual assault. Almost all have seen death firsthand to a sibling or a friend or even a parent. A 21-year-old woman came to dinner one week and said that this was the first time she had been around a family table since she was 11 years old. Dinners are served family style, Cell phones are banned because Kathy wants everyone to be in the present, to be in the now. They give young people a gift, complete intolerance of social distance. When a new visitor first met Ed, a regular diner, she held out her hand to shake his and he looked at it and he said, oh no, we hug here. Kids come to dinner at Kathy's and David's because they are hungry for something beyond food. The kids need what all adolescents need, bikes, laptops, and a listening heart. By having less of that traditional family dinner time, they made room for more love. Less of me, more of him. So what about you? What about me? As we try to live into our mission statement at Church of the Palms to love God and to love neighbor, is there something that we need to let go of or make smaller in our lives so that there's more room for Jesus, more room for love? What might we need to leave behind so that we can follow Christ more closely? You see, I don't believe that Jesus is calling us to abandon those we love, our families, our communities, or our work, whether it's paid or volunteered. But I know that Jesus intends for us to have a life that is filled with love, forgiveness, and service to others. Make no mistake, when Jesus is calling us to fish for people, it starts in our own fishing hole, one relationship at a time. Mother Teresa didn't look at the masses of people. She looked at the person right in front of her. One face, one smile, one person at a time. Jesus calls us to live our lives, care for our families, engage in our work, our community, our church in such a way that Christ, that following Christ and living as his disciples is at the very center of everything that we do. And maybe what Jesus is calling us to leave behind are our feelings of pride or control or judgment so that we can make more room for love. God so loved all the people of this world that his son left everything 
to become small like us. An encounter with Christ is an invitation to an abundant life where we don't become big, but we become small so we can love more. as we let go of and leave behind those things that keep us from following Christ into the world. Let's pray that he fills us up with a love that is so big that we can't help but to go out and share it with others in new and creative ways this week. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God be reflected in your hands, the word, the wisdom of God be reflected in your words and the knowledge of God flow through your heart so that all might see and believe. Amen.